0: Welcome to the Electric Monks Podcast. Episode 3. A Suffusion of Yellow. Don't pick it up, pick it up, pick
1: it up. Don't
0: pick it up, up, up. Don't
2: up, up, up. Hello
1: and welcome to another edition of the Electric Monks Podcast. I'm Ed.
2: I'm Doug.
1: And I'm Nemo. Uh, last week we talked about the uh, first Date jointly novel, so uh, I'll just give a, a little brief summary of the plot of Long Dark Tea Time uh, for those in case you don't remember it. The plot, it goes thusly: Disgruntled New York journalist Kate Schester, Schester? Schester? Uh, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it. Hmm. Schester, I think. Yeah, like uh, Jodie Schecter. Uh Was scheduled for a flight to Oslo she attempts to help out a very large Nordic man at Heathrow Airport Terminal who has no money and no passport. Shortly before, there's a massive explosion which knocks Kate unconscious. Kate then goes on a visit to a very strange hospital called Woodshead in an attempt to locate the mysterious Norseman. Meanwhile, holistic detective Dirk Gently decides to sleep through the morning, which turns out to be exactly when he'd arranged to meet his client, Jeffrey Ansey, who had been concerned about being chased by a scythe-wielding green-eyed monster whom he believed he'd signed a contract in blood with. Dirk arrives to find Ansi's decapitated head spinning on top of a record playing the lyrics of a hit song on repeat. Now he has to solve the murder and find out how it links to Kate Shester and the Heathrow Airport explosion, all the while resolving a dispute with his cleaner concerning his unopened fridge. The Long Dark Tea Time of the Soul is available from all good bookstores and digital outlets for about £5 or less. So initial thoughts on the book. I think I, I enjoyed the first book a bit more, to be honest.
2: Like it's easier to follow. It's a, it's a hell of a lot easier to follow. Just the one thing that I think would make Long Dark Tea Time of the Soul make absolute complete sense the entire way through reading it is if I actually knew Norse mythology before going into this. <laughs> yeah, I
0: I do remember that when I first read uh, Long Dark Teatime that I found it off-putting. It it felt a different style to Dirk Gently's Reg and uh, Richard kind of felt the central characters, and Dirk was this character that was introduced a third of the way into the book and didn't feel central. And so then suddenly in uh, Long Dark Tea Time, he's the central character, and I was wondering where are these characters? You know, where's Reg gone? Where's Richard gone? I love those characters, and that was a little bit off-putting. Um, I but I and I've read them, read uh, both books several times, and I actually prefer Long Dark Tea Time now. Oh, okay. um, it's, it it grew on me. And but it's but it grew on me, I think, because it's a unique and different plot. You know, Dirk Gently's is a mashup of two Doctor Who stories, and it has the benefit of, of revision of uh, of the story and of the jokes and uh, and I think that benefited a lot, but it has the downside that it's not a natural Dirk Gently story as it were it's. It is a, a Doctor Who story, two different Doctor Who stories. And so this is an actual Dirk Gently story, as, as it were. This this to me feels more like, or I think of it as more of what uh, Douglas Adams was actually aiming for, for the Dirk Gently character, this type of story and this the the extra weirdness. Yeah,
1: I guess you, you're making the argument that it's the more quintessential Dirk story. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was mainly for me that I, I think I remember a bit more when I was rereading both books. I remember a lot more of a holistic detective agency felt more familiar to me, and there's sort of like, oh, I, I can, I can sort of remember the jokes. I remember, you know, the Electric Monk and Reg and all, and the Dodo and all the rest of it.
0: Yeah, uh, the, the, the first is more memorable.
1: It could, yeah, it it could just be that uh, long dark tea time. I read it once and forgot about, whereas the first one I've read multiple times, which is often the case when you get multiple books in a series. It's the first one that most people have had more contact with because that's the initial focal contact point, and you read them all in order. But it's interesting because I think it's actually Max Landis, the guy who um, wrote, um, effectively one of the the, Mm. main creators of the BBC America Dirt Gently TV show, said that he read The uh, Long Dark Tea Time first. And so that was his kind of first focal point.
0: Because, you know, as, as you say, Long Dark Tea Time could be seen as the quintessential Dirk, and uh, it feels like the BBC America, Dirk Gently's TV series was had more of that quirk of the second book, and, and maybe that's part of why uh, some fans were put off from the TV series, is that they were expecting the Dirk Gently first novel style, and that's, that's not what the TV series is, that's not what the second book is either.
1: Is Long Dark t of the Soul a natural sequel to Holistic Detective Agency, or does it feel like an entirely different story, which just so happens to have Dirk in it?
2: I would go with the second one, honestly. But
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with not a natural sequel in that yeah. regard.
1: I think it kind of works, because, like we say, you, it means you can read the books out of order and you won't be completely lost, although I yeah. think... In a way, having the reveal of Dirk, he sort of mentioned earlier on, but he appears sort of 13 chapters in to listen set of agency. I feel like having that initial reveal of his characters is sort of a little bit spoilt if you read Tea Time first. Yeah. Oh, and also the secretary, Janice. It's definitely clear, because she's not working for Dirk anymore in Long Dark Tea Time, that, that, that it's a sequel.
0: I, I feel that plot-wise, you could read them in either order because you know, Janice could be you, you could read it as uh, Dirk Gently as a prequel in in terms of yeah. the chronological oddity. Uh, but yeah, certainly in terms of the character introduction of Dirk, um, it it do- wouldn't work as well.
1: There are a few other minor returning characters, which I think are worth uh, putting some attention on. So Sergeant Jilkes, uh, the police detective who appears in both books and plays a very similar role, and Janice, who we were just talking about. who It's not revealed yeah. that it actually is Janice until quite late on, I think. Because I, I didn't figure out that uh, she was the um, uh, receptionist, and so the sort of way I think the way that's revealed to Dirk as well that um, that she's uh, her face shows up in the newspaper, but she's called Janice Smith, and she's turned her yeah. life around since uh, leaving Dirk. Kind of funny that ever, whenever someone who works with Dirk uh, leaves them, their life instantly becomes a lot better. <laughs> Leave- <laughs> Which I guess sort of makes sense when Dirk isn't paying anyone.
0: <laughs> I I, uh, I think yeah I I think that's part of the weirdness that surrounds Dirk of of whatever that weirdness is you know in probability field yeah. whatever.
1: Didn't four turn her into a cat or something? I seem to remember. Or four did something to her that he later reversed and put back.
0: Uh turned her into a coke vending machine, wasn't it?
1: Oh, that was it. Yeah, the vending machine that he keeps dragging around with him. Which uh, yeah, yeah. I
0: can't. She, everyone's like. What's with the coke vending machine? And, and Thor's you know doesn't want to talk about it. it must admit, it, I'm going from memory of a decade hence here, but yeah, uh, you know, and it's because Thor's guilty because he knows that it's you know it's this woman that was uh, innocent bystander to uh, the event. Yeah, he gets angry and and you know bad things happen as it's you know yeah, not intentional. She was, that. she was caught up with it.
1: It's a shame we didn't get more Janice in this book because there's a great line in um her detective agency where. She aren't she's in, been a bit disgruntled and she always seems to get the short straw to be honest. I forgot when we did the podcast, but it's a brilliant way. He, she picks up the phone and she says, uh, "Hello, this is a Rainwright's Emporium, uh, fruit Emporium, I'm saying. <laughs> Mr. Rainwright isn't available to answer the phone right now because he's turned into an apricot or something. <laughs> <laughs> I forget I forget what fruit she calls him, but um, uh, or is it a vegetable? Uh, what about jokes? Because um. He has a very again a small role, but he also sort of shows up at Jeffrey Ance's apartment, and he shows up in the first book at uh, Macduff's apartment when Dirk is trying to uh, get the uh, re- the tape recording of um, Gordon Way. In both cases, they do a good job of establishing that they have like a sort of prior relationship, or well, not really a relationship, but they've that Jilk's is sort of familiar with Dirk's shenanigans.
0: There's history between them that yeah pre- predates either of the books and. If I was more creative in terms of, uh, and had time to write fanfic, it would be the sort of area that I'd be, uh, would like to explore. I like the idea of fanfic that takes otherwise minor characters and, you know, create your, or, or adds backstories or, you know, fleshes out stuff that was only hinted at, Um, you so there's no reason that it couldn't be canonical as it were um, just, you it's not because it's fanfic, but uh, you know, in in contrast to a lot of people that write fanfic, that's um, your ego insertion into the story, or or otherwise wildly changes characters. I I don't find that interesting. I, I find fanfic interesting when it's expanding on the universe.
1: So I sort of like jokes because he's a good, not so much a foil, but sort of a good counterpoint. To someone who's just so sort of fed up of weird things happening in this book. You literally get to, to oh, look, you know, can you just find a pl- slightly plausible theory for how this is... Because he comes in and uh, Jeffrey answers. Yeah, head yeah. is on the record and he's like, wow, these suicides are getting more and more creative. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> he was sitting there on the chair of his arms folded and somehow his head's managed to make it onto the record player. <laughs> and it's obviously not a suicide, but he's just like, well, yeah, it'd just be easier for me if it was, and easier for everyone we can all just go home.
0: Yeah, he, he, he comes across as a guy that, that once upon a time was by the book and just so much weirdness has happened to him that he's given up is like oh he's just
1: so world weary and this, all yeah. that kind of desire to uh, this thing i see the job through has sort of been beaten out of him for over the years and i think i think dirk is maybe is partly responsible for that yeah so just very briefly because we already talked about dirk a little bit uh and i feel he's a little different as well that he's there are a few more of douglas's traits that are put in there like him having the big lion in the morning that leads to all sorts of problems in mean, him missing the murder of his client.
0: Yeah, it's it's not an immediate sequel from uh Dirk Gentle's Influ- Holistic Detective Agency. I feel like there's he's seen a few things. There's maybe been a few cases that have been even weirder of stuff that's you know, he's older and more weary with the world.
1: Yeah, a few months have passed, I get the impression, especially if Janice has finally given up and left.
0: Yeah, I I I would even have said years, but I must admit it's been years since I've read it. But I just remember that the scene of uh the agency's not working out, so he you know, resorts to dressing in drag and, in a, and as uh, a, fortune a fortune teller, teller. yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and he you know, and he makes up these wild stories because he's just he doesn't care anymore. And every fortune that he that he comes with ends up being correct. And, you know, at one point, you know, he's just, you're standing on the roof, shouting at the heavens, you know. He, I think he's at the point of self-destruction, basically. He's like, yeah, I, yeah, I'm going to be the worst fortune teller in the world. And he's, Still, the best fortune teller in the world. But yeah, even though in
1: fact he <laughs> ends up getting um working with a guy in horoscopes who just writes horoscopes specifically for him, which is sort of this running gag.
2: <laughs>
0: yes, yep.
2: I will say though, his plan for getting his car back and fixed for free was great. Just yeah, that is that is amazing. Right. This tow truck driver is a hell of a lot slower than me, <laughs>
1: even so... though Dirk is quite a. Uh... He's not the most uh, mobile, let's say, in the book. So I I steal
2: his tow truck, drive it about a mile down the road, park it behind a tree, he'll fix my car, get in it, and chase me, and then he'll get out of his car to come beat me up so I can run around him, get in my car, and leave. That sounds like a very um, ike Kush kind of solution,
1: doesn't it? It really does. I think the way Long Dark Tea Time starts is very good. When I feel it starts to lose me a bit is there are a lot of bits where there are long descriptions of before. So when he throws his hammer, they we sort of, oh, it does a somersault in the air, flips around several times and it describes all the destruction that he causes. And, so, and I get that it's important for his character, but I just sort of feel that it happens like at least three or four times in the book that we get these fairly long kind of monotonous scenes of four acting out a bit. So that's that's sort of the part where the parts where the book started to lose me and i think that's why it took me longer to read i feel that the gods weren't as interesting as i'd hoped they would be because you got four who is you know just a bit there there's a few running gangs like oh, that time you went to wales and he counted every rock although he actually got uh forgot halfway through and he doesn't yeah, want to tell so. anyone because it's basically all oh, if I I spent all that effort counting on and not giving away that knowledge, basically, was his uh, rationale. And then you've got Odin, who is the other sort of main god in it, who's literally just signed a contract with um, a lawyer and an advertising executive uh, so that he can stay in in this woodset hospital and get this nice little linen that he loves so much and he can just sleep. Yeah, I, he slept through the entirety of 1986, and nobody noticed. <laughs> and um, yeah. that, that, that's funnily enough, that's when uh, Douglas uh, was supposed to have uh, finished uh, *Allestic Detective Agency*. By so, I wonder if that's the uh-huh. in joke there that he was asleep. Uh, and yeah, I, I I just sort of felt the the conflict between Thor and Odin felt a bit we don't really get much kind of explanation until the very end and it just sort of feels a bit oh why didn't they talk to each other sooner and they could have maybe resolved this uh i don't know
0: that's the sort of complaint that you could level at 99 percent of stories of like yeah if only those characters had talked to each other that whole thing would have been resolved and then you go yeah but then you wouldn't have had the story
1: and i um, guess you've got the other ones like there's Rag, the little kind of goblin thing and and the yeah. monster that he has that are sort of trying to uh sort of uh sway odin against the uh, four i guess a little bit and they're sort of trying to do devious things in the background i feel they are even more underdeveloped ones i think
0: there, there is an element of that i i reckon if you go back and reread it in yeah, you know, maybe a few years time. You'll find that there's a lot of stuff early on that becomes relevant later on. Like you'll you'll see that there was yeah, a lot like of like just like um, the first up. book, yeah. Yeah, um, and so it does benefit from a reread in that regard. Uh, but it's because it's not as accessible uh, to read. I think in a way, it's it doesn't invite rereading uh, quite as much.
1: What did you think about Kate Shishter? She's effectively the I wouldn't say the replacement for Macduff, but she's sort of like the first kind of focal character.
0: To, to be honest, I I've, don't remember Kate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, 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 this is my uh, 10 years since I've read it uh, most recently yeah. uh, comes into play that broad plot elements. I recall uh, quirky little things, but um, yeah, there's elements of the story that I'm now thinking like, yeah, it's, it really is getting time. But I need to reread it, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Oops. So uh, the other character who's, uh, pops into it uh, very shortly, actually. I expected it to play a much bigger role based on what I've seen in other later material like the comics. And that's uh, the nurse, Sally Mills, who I, uh, I guess she works at Woodshead and um, looking after four a little bit. And Dirk sort of runs into her at a restaurant and they have a a scene where where Dirk is trying to figure out how this uh, I Ching calculator works. I love the I Ching calculator, by the uh, way.
0: The I Ching is fantastic.
1: Yeah, the where. And it doesn't have any relevance to the rest of the case at all, unlike pretty much everything else. It's sort of like the hermaphrodite tables. In fact, that's probably why I've named the podcast uh, A (laughs) suffusion of Yellow, because that is exactly what the i Ching calculator uh, replies with whenever you try to add up to anything higher than about three or four, I think.
0: There's a lot of iconic Dirk Gently things that actually, to my mind at least, that come from Long Dark Two Time of the Soul, you know, the I-Chin calculator, Zen navigation. This comes back to that theme that this, to me, is the quintessential, uh, as you said, uh, Dirk Gently novel.
2: I might try that Zen navigation thing sometime. It's a lot less dangerous now that we have GPS. Yeah, <laughs>
1: I actually really, even though we don't get much of Sally Mills in this, I actually really like her. Uh, I think Kate is, isn't that disgruntled, but um, compared to Dirk, I think Sally is an even better sort of foil because she's sort of she's the one who asks him. But Dirk says, oh, I'm this private, holistic detective. And then Sally Art basically asks, um, uh, but what does a, a private detective look like? And say, if nobody knows what a private detective looks like, how, do, how does a private detective know what he's supposed to look like?
0: Yes. <laughs> uh, Thinking it must be the same conversation where um, where she says, yeah, after, after Dirk admits that he's a private detective, y'all, you know, she pauses and... Uh, uh, and I think Dirk asks, you know, what she's doing. She's like, I'm I'm trying to work out what it is that everybody says to private detectives so I can not say that and you're <laughs> yeah. like everybody else. And Dirk's like, well, what happens is people pause and kind of look a little bit awkward and you nailed it. Uh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, she is actually just like the perfect kind of uh, person for Dirk to sort of play off with because she's sort of of a very similar kind of, uh, like, she, she definitely buys into Dirk's kind of logic, I think even though we don't see that much of her and Dirk basically steals from it. I think she, he he steals her coffee and that's how um hopes that she doesn't notice because she's like looking away and he takes a little drink from it and then um and then the Sally it i guess it's a little bit like the uh, anecdote Douglas Adams tells about the biscuit you know where he sort of uh, so this other guy kept eating his biscuits and then it turned out it it, it was actually the other guy's biscuits and he hadn't opened yeah. his biscuits and they, he was it, eating the other guy's biscuit and <laughs> that's sort of what it, that is. He was
0: the thief, not the victim all along.
1: Yeah, and that's what sort of the thing with the coffee sort of reminds me of, except that Dirk absolutely knows that it's not his coffee. <laughs> and uh, eventually, uh, I think, I, I can't remember if Sally tries to get him to pay for it. Uh, she definitely does, but I don't remember if Dirk actually decides to go and pay for it or if he just to, jumps out on it. I think he definitely goes to visit the counter, but I can't remember if he actually hands over the money. But um yeah, and Sally shows up at the very end again uh in the hospital when Dirk has sort of been knocked out by the motorbike and he's just like uh sustained many mini- and Sally tries to yeah, because his nose is broken and uh by the kid, uh Jeffrey Ansey's son, who's just been sitting watching TV obsessive over TV, which I guess I guess yeah. there's a little bit of social commentary there. But um uh, he breaks Dirk's nose and Sal- and I thought initially, oh my God is uh, is uh, are we gonna read the entire book and all of Dirk's dialogue is going to be only vaguely comprehensible because he's written it to sort of simulate muffled the sort of distortion of him <laughs> speaking with your nose broken basically and uh, Sally's the one who fixes that and I thought, oh, that's good so I think initially and I wasn't sure about Sally I thought the fact that she fixed Dirk's annoying nose thing said, sort of, "Oh, this character's great because she's fixed one of the minor fears that I had that the book would turn into. <laughs> <laughs> Just it would be annoying if every Dirk story after I had Dirk like never recovers from the broken nose because it happens twice. <laughs> I think once with um the kid, and then again with the eagle that invades his uh, home.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I've forgotten about the eagle, but um, yeah, because that's the uh that's the fighter jet.
1: Oh yes, of course, yes. The um because when... Cause, is it cause, when...
0: because Thor gets angry and things happen and people." You know, things change into other things. Yeah, and... because
1: he, he's obviously tried to fly to Valhalla yeah. uh, himself and encountered the fighter jet on the way and ended up uh, turning it into the Eagle. After having this confrontation with the Eagle that goes to St. Pancras station, it's a little bit like, I guess, um, in Harry Potter when they have a platform nine and three quarters where basically they go through that and that's how they go to the wizard school or whatever. And um, I'm not, not going to talk about Harry Potter because I because I'm not really the biggest fan of it, I'll put it that way. But, um, <laughs> well, I sort of, my dad sort of got, uh, we read the books when I was like uh, five or six or so, and I think by the time we yep. got to the second book, which is where um, we got to but Owen, oh, and R- Ron and Harry flew to Hogwarts. They missed the train, but they flew to Hogwarts in, in Ron's flying car. And then I think dad says, dad always tells the story, but I think he wasn't that enthusiastic with, uh, about, about reading it at all, and it just showed when he was going <laughs> through it. And apparently, he says that I told him, Dad, do we have to keep reading this? And he's like, Oh, no, we don't. And then we started reading uh, Terry Pratchett instead, <laughs> 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 which I enjoyed a lot more, to be honest, and have much fonder memories of. I feel like this um, is sort of a uh, predates the platform nine and three course where you go through a wall on the platform, this seemingly innocuous wall, and travel to this um, completely different other world. I yeah. feel like uh, Doug, uh, J.K. Rowland may have stolen the idea from Doug's. She still a lot of ideas. I mean, Basically, the whole idea of wizards, Nick from Tolkien, (laughs) and done better and by Tolkien, to be (laughs) honest, because there's no fucking wizard school in Lord of the
0: Rings. That uh, cycles back to something that I was thinking of probably about ten minutes ago. We're talking about how accessible the novel was, and and I was thinking if you look at Douglas's career, you've got uh, in the order that he wrote them, the first couple of Hitchhiker novels, which were based off radio series. Uh, The third Hitchhiker novel, which was based off a Doctor Who story that didn't get made.
1: It was the Cricket Manuscript.
0: The fourth Hitchhiker's was a uh, unique, brand new story. Uh, Then he wrote Dirk Gently, which was based again on a couple of Doctor Who stories. This time both of them had previously been made. Uh, And then Long Dark Tea Time of the Soul, which was a unique and new story. So I think it was Douglas was in a transition stage of his writing where he'd kind of recycled Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff that he'd created when he was younger and clearly had this massive burst of creativity and create a lot of uh, unique and interesting stuff and then revised and revisited a lot of that over the time and then was with uh, So Long and Thanks for All the Fish and Long Dark Tea Time in the Soul, I think with those novels, he was getting to the point of there wasn't, complete stories to reuse he was creating new stories and this that's i think where the style uh, is quite different and then mostly harmless as the fifth hitchhikers was written after this and that's a continuation and i think mostly harmless in that context while it's a very complicated book uh is perhaps the strongest because it's that evolution of Douglas finding a his I guess I'd even say your know, adult writing style as opposed to the the twenty something writing style that, that was I'm just going to follow the story and see where it goes that uh, was very much hitchhikers and to a lesser degree uh, the first Dirk gently you know, it had a, it had a loose plot that he was following but it was a pre made plot that he'd had plenty of time to think about long duck tea time of the soul was a introduction to a to a more complex plotting style but. Uh, you were saying before about his uh, some overly long descriptions that were a little bit off putting, and I think that's where he was still finding his feet with this new storytelling style that he was working towards.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it, in the end it doesn't ruin the story and whole, it just felt like a little bit of a pacing issue. Yeah, we talked about Woodshead, Woodshead a bit, and uh, I think the idea of the Woodshead patients. Is what influenced the idea in the um, BBC America TV series. Max Landis came up with this idea of uh, Blackwing, uh, this American yeah. organization. This idea was to try and find these people with unique abilities and sort of the US government could somehow make use of those abilities. But the problem is the people they've brought in all have these very bizarre and not, not always seemingly that useful kind of talent, especially um, Dirk himself. Is, is one of them in that series.
0: So uh, Max Landis actually confirmed on Twitter about uh, a little bit over a year ago that um, Blackwing was based on Woodshead. This is
1: from a Jewish dragon on Instagram, I guess.
0: Uh, Tumblr, he, he says. Tumblr,
1: that's the one, yeah. So it says, in case anyone hasn't pointed out yet, Blackwing is a scary shadow government torture chamber of the Woodshead Hospital from Dirt Gently Book 2, along with Time of the Soul. The hospital had patients with, well, extraordinary psychiatric, usually supernatural conditions, like a girl who recites the stock market changes with 24-hour lag, a medium who receives knowledge of mathematical theorems from dead physicists, and a man who's psychically linked to Dustin Hoffman, reciting everything Hoffman says either a second before or at the same time as Hoffman himself. So there's a little bit of doubt about the time delay and stuff, because obviously TV's on slight time delay from being so far away. And satellite link. It's exploited the patients with useful powers, mainly by stealing the information they provide, otherwise keep them healthy and, in fact, keep them safe since they're not able to function due to their conditions. They also take care of the patient's families. It does not otherwise abuse the residents, just kind of greedy and exploitative.
0: And so so Max Landis tweeted that that image with his own comment saying, I have been waiting for over a year for someone to point this out as book purists raged about the notion of Blackwing. Thanks, Tumblr. I think the... um, Dirk's confrontation with the cleaner is something we haven't covered yet.
1: Yeah, that's one of the funniest bits in the book.
0: It, it ties in with the end of the the book, you know, kind of the, the point about humanity makes gods and they're immortal. And then, well, we don't need them anymore, but they're still around because they're immortal because that's what we did. And Why is it
1: a god of guilt that comes out of the Dirty Fridge? Because... um. Is it uh, the guilt that they would feel upon opening it and finding out it's like a huge mess, or is it the guilt they feel for not opening it?
0: I I think it's every possible interpretation of every possible type of guilt that's you know through the convoluted story of that fridge, it has all possible guilts condensed and and amplified, you know, focused on the fridge, and that's why a god of guilt comes from it.
1: So yeah, I think that's about everything, really. Effectively, what you usually get with the two Dirk Gently books, or the finished ones anyways, you get them both in... Uh, I think I've seen sometimes it's, they're both in kind of an omnibus.
0: I've got that in my library.
1: I think when people think of Dirk as a, as a whole as a franchise, the first thing that uh, most people, especially in the UK definitely, they think of the, the those two books together. But of course, uh, Douglas was working on a third book for uh, this is Salmon of Doubt that I'm talking about. Uh, although yeah. it initially it had a different title, I think uh, a Spoon Too Short was the original working title he had his notes, and it eventually morphed into this half finished story, which is Salmon of Doubt, which we're gonna cover next yeah. week, uh, next time, rather. As well as that, I think we need to cover the entire period of everything between the two books coming out in the late eighties. And the uh, mid two thousands, when um, mid to late two thousands, when uh, the uh, BBC Radio Four adaptation came out, which we'll cover the, do the week the podcast after. So I think yeah. it should be. Uh, I think that's stuff like I guess um, the Dirk gently play, which you've seen and I haven't. I think we need to cover the whole period, which is basically just nineties Dirk. So that includes things like the episode of the South Bank Show that was on Douglas Adams, which features. Uh, a big, uh, there's yeah. a fairly big sef- segment on it all about. Um, I think it's specifically the first book and the electors. They interview Richard Dawkins about the Electric Monk. They have Michael Bywater playing Dirk in a segment. And um, I think it's Paul Shearer who plays both the Electric Monk and Richard McDuff. And they have another actress playing uh, Janice as well. So yeah. Yeah, So that's a small segment, but I think it's definitely worth looking at uh, and interesting to sort of speculate a little bit about if they had turned that into a TV show in the 90s instead of the uh, uh, you know, last uh, decade that we're in now, the 20-teens, I guess, you might call <laughs> it. But um, if we'd had 90s Dirk, then uh, it, it's interesting to speculate what that would have been like and whether it could have been successful or not. But anyway, I guess that's all for now. So um, we'll just give uh, a few details um, of where you can contact us. I am at Edward J. Hunter on Twitter. And what was your one again, Nemo? I'm
0: on Twitter as at sub ether, S U B underscore E T H R.
1: Don't forget, uh, that, uh, Dalek owns the, um, Douglas Adams subreddit, r uh, slash Douglas Adams on Reddit. And we have a website, a... there's, we have a website as well, which is, uh, www. Um, and, uh, let me just look it up actually, because I don't want to get it wrong. Um, there we go it's actually just uh, uh, HTTP HTTPS you know whatever and it's just dirtgentlypodcast.wordpress.com so we have a contact form on there I don't think anyone's sent anything so far and also uh, I should mention we're on iTunes now so if you're listening on iTunes feel free to give us a, a nice little review and tell us what you think maybe I ramble on too much Uh, maybe I don't let other people speak enough, maybe I let them speak too much, maybe we don't talk about things that you want to talk about, maybe it's interesting I don't know, you have to tell us
0: Everybody, tell us what you think of it Absolutely, so
1: see you next time when we do 2002 release of the book Salmon of Doubt and 90s Dirk in general, so thanks for listening, see you next time
0: Be well